and ride with me in my foul life. When we, when I was talking to Bo and Jim today, were you like I was standing up? You weren't standing up. Jack was filming it. Were you listening? Were you on your phone? Were you enticed? Were you into it? What they went through, the experiences of 9-11, um, does it hit you hard to where nothing's going to get in the way of you listening to their stories? And Or what were you feeling that time? Were you even paying attention? 100% paying attention. Um, I didn't touch my phone during when you were talking to Jim. Nothing? No, not at all. I mean... To hear the, you know, 20 years, 20 years ago, he he spent his very first day on the New York Fire Department on 9-11. Crazy. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And you can tell that when he's telling that story, there are moments when he was talking about literally climbing over the rubble and it was as fresh and real to him today 20 years later as it was when it happened that was incredibly emotional to listen to the hair on my arms was standing up yeah like you try to put it in perspective of well we've had some hard times we've had some bad days i've lost loved ones i've gone to funerals but to go and get on top of that pile of rubble, all that heavy concrete and steel and rock and flooring. And I mean, just everything that came down in those towers when the planes flew into them, you picture a man and several men and women that are firefighters that are looking for, the people that died, human the beings, or human any beings. survivors, or any survivors of people that work there, for human beings. The family members are down there looking for their fellow, for their, you know, their their husbands, their sons, their daughters, their wives, their uncles, their aunts, and then on top of that, you have firefighters that are down there that are looking for survivors of their brothers and sisters, fellow firefighters. At the same time, those firefighters' families are there because their their family hasn't been accounted for. So so it's like. God dang. Could you imagine? I'm picturing him 21, 20, 22 years old, actually moving debris, looking for bodies. And that's like, you don't do that. That's not normal. That's not even a normal job for a firefighter to, I understand that they, they encounter fatalities and they encounter people getting hurt. You know, they talked today about the subway in New York and how many people get hurt in it, die or heads cut off or legs cut off or arms or whatever. But there's 3,000 people dead in 9-11 or however many. I think it was over three, a little over 3,000. Um, you're on a hunt for dead bodies. That's yeah. what your job is. I mean, that's just not normal. I can't, I can't even, you know, listening, sitting and listening to him talk about it. If you are not viscerally affected, there's something wrong with you. Uh, these men and women were charged with rock by rock, brick by brick, searching for human souls. Yeah. Alive or dead. Yeah. And I can't even begin to imagine 
the effect that that has on a person who's doing it. And what became crystal clear to me today was that tragedy did not just happen that day. That tragedy has unfolded Still every going. day for 20 years. Still going. They're sick. They're coming down with the asbestos and all the things they encountered on those that year of, of, of cleaning it up and looking for the parish. They're getting cancer now. People are passing away. Um, Jim's dealing with a lifelong illness because lifelong of illness. And he's only 43. I know. And he's retired early to be with his kids. And that made me think like, that's so young to retire of any job. Yes. Um, but he does have another income. He does have another fam- a business he's running. He started. But is he that scared that he wanted to spend time with his kids? Like that made me think like how much time does he really have? Does he know something we he's not telling us? Um, but man, to be encountered with that on the first day, that's why hunting is so neat to bring us into that kind of opportunity to meet a brother a set of brothers like Bo and Jim and to sit there and listen of what they faced because we don't know that when I'm over in Reno, Nevada for the last 20 years, I don't know that Jim Hodges is faced with that. He's living it every day. That shit doesn't go away. And his brother who he's impeccably tight with decides after that, after seeing his brother going through it, he decides after that, to enter fire service to, to get out of the academy he got high grades on his test and, and now he is a new york firefighter, firefighter. his brother Bo, and so to have see that those are things that show me that the united states of america has hope because there are those like jim and Bo who literally say there is a larger cause than my own self. Yeah. And I want to be a part of it. hundred percent. And to, to see that and to be near it, you are, you're not a patriotic American. If you're not in awe, when you're around people like that, who make a decision that other people's lives, safety, well-being is more important than your own. Yeah, to hear him say that no matter what they were going in, like, uh, it's hard to tell how you would react during this the incident, you know, in the in the heat of the act. Um, but you had a pretty good idea that going into that building wasn't safe. None, none of the people that were up there were getting out. I mean, they were, they were trying, but the people, I mean, the phone calls were coming in. Firefighters were going up to the, I mean, I watched it enough read enough and watched enough that they were going up to the 38th floor and trying to save people. And they were getting up there and they could feel it come out from underneath them. They were on the radios. They're on the phones. There's, there's, there's nine 11 calls or nine one one calls of, of, uh, I get worked up thinking about it, but moms on the phone with their kids daughters on the phones with their moms that are at home daughters on the phone with 911 operators um saying i think i'm going to die i can't breathe it's hot in here they were on fire up there the smoke those those jets weren't you know those jets caught everything on fire up there and caused huge you know 
they couldn't breathe. It was on fire. The smoke. At the same time, they can't see because it turned out all the lights and knocked out all the electricity and all the smoke had them covered up. I mean, can you imagine the paranoia? Can you imagine the fright, the 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 total horror that you're in of of all I did was come to work today. That's horror. all I did. It's horror. That's all I did was come to work today. And the men and women uh, in blue and in red, the firefighters and the police officers and first responders were running toward the building and running up the stairs Yeah, when everyone was trying to get down the stairs. And if it weren't for them, hundreds and hundreds and more would have perished. If it weren't for those firefighters and first responders oh, yeah. literally showing people the way out. You're or creating videos a of, way the, out. of them jumping out of the windows, yes. 40 floors up. Yes. Can you imagine no. that that's the decision you make? No. I can't imagine that decision because that is a decision of despair. And Why I'm do we forget about it? Like we don't, the people that weren't directly influenced or touched by it, didn't have family in there or a loved one, a friend, anybody. We're true Americans. We were all hurt by it, but it's being forgotten about. And that's another tragedy. But how do we, you can't, is it, you can't put yourself in their shoes. It's impossible to feel that way. It's impossible. You can't go. Oh yeah, I, I I've been in their shoes. Like I, I I've been that scared before. No, you have not. No, you have not. There's just no way the tear that that caused in those people's minds on every floor of that building. There's just no way. And then when it starts to fall out, you're hundreds of feet in the air. What is it? Thirteen feet a story. Something like that. Twelve feet. Thirteen feet. What's thirty times thirteen? You're way over. You're three four hundred feet in the air. Thirty eight floors is over 400 feet in the air and you're falling with that building collapsing and we sit back and go never forget never like no matter what we say we can never ever put ourselves in the position to even have come close to how anybody was feeling that is the most horrifying thing that has ever happened on american soil i don't know if there's anything more horrifying the holocaust for sure Wars for sure, um, bombings, world, uh, Oklahoma City. But I don't know if there's Pearl anything. Harbor. I don't know if there's anything ever in the history of the world more terrifying than nine eleven. Of going to work in the daytime, on a normal day on September eleventh, two thousand one, which September eleventh is nine one one, right? Like they planned it on the uh, on the emergency call numbers nine one one. Going to work on a on a on a normal day, sunny day in New York, and not just dying, not just perishing, not but just being tortured, but being tortured, first. not just being tortured. And plus, we're not even thinking about the people, the American citizens, and the people, the individuals on those planes. The one that went down in Pennsylvania, the one that went to the uh, Pentagon, the Pentagon, and the two that went into the towers. We're not even thinking about the horror on those planes. I mean, I've been on planes and you hit a little freaking pocket of turbulence and you freak out. Right. Can you imagine the pilots getting murdered and you're on the plane the whole time talking to your, trying to get through to your wife or your husband or your mom or dad or kids and telling them, I don't think I'm going to ever see you again. 
That's not normal. Me and you've never faced anything like that. No, of course not. That's what's so unbelievable about the duck blind. That the duck blind brought us to the Hodge brothers to know that this stuff, it's real life. And it's, I, there's a lot of people that, that were affected by 9-11. All of us were, but now we're directly in conversation with people that were there and that were digging up dead bodies. And that hit me today. I was just like, dude, I don't care if I ever kill another goose. These guys, these guys went through hell. Then their brother says he was being a firefighter. Their stepbrother <laughs> says, I'm going to go fight in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Joins the Corps, goes over to Afghanistan in 2002. Doesn't get his number called as a firefighter. Says, I'm going to the Corps. Dies in battle in theater. Is perished in 2010. And they had just called his number to become a firefighter months before he died. Crazy. Like you don't, I don't know of a family that could have been more affected. How, how do you ever, how do we as, as Americans who enjoy sleeping comfortably at night with none of those worries, how do we ever repay the debt to a family like that? Um, I don't, I think what we did today, I think being by him tonight and talking and shaking hands and like, we're not going through the motions. Like we really are interested and compassionate for what they do. Like I very easily, I mean, you could just come to New York and hunt. You could just do it. I wasn't, I didn't plan this hunt. I was asked to come here. I was asked to give it thought like, Hey, there's this place up there. My buddy has, they watch the show. It's, I think you'd really like it. Well, shit. I mean, a goose is a goose, right? This place is special. Don't get me wrong. But I started thinking like, man, I want to, I want to meet some firefighters. I don't live on the East coast. I live in Nevada. I don't know New York. I don't know FDNY firefighters. Now I do because I went to Nick and I said, look, what do you think about going to New York city, filming in a firehouse and meeting these guys? He goes, I got the perfect people for you. I go, what? He goes, do they hunt with me every year? They've been coming here 18 years. The Hodge brothers, they were in nine 11. They were, first day on the job. Jim's first day was nine 11. He's like, you'll, it'll blow your mind. And plus they know all the sergeants and officers that are retiring now, getting ready to retire. They lost all of their friends in that thing. Cause they were all full time. And when all the boroughs started getting called into 9-11, you know, they were losing people nonstop. So now I was thinking like, man, how can we make this a part of the New York episodes that I didn't want to just come here and be like, oh, yeah, we kill geese in New York. I just don't work like that. Like, oh, well, there's buffalo wings here because of the city of Buffalo, which I didn't know about. But I, I if, even if I did, I wouldn't be like, well, let's do a story on chicken wings. It'd be cut, a part of it. But I was thinking bigger picture, like freaking 9-11. And this was eight months ago, way before 9-11 just took place last week, 10 days ago. Well, the hunt was, is the hunting series unbelievable, unrivaled for Canada Goose. The people here, are phenomenal, uh, friendly, funny, cordial, hardworking. 
But I'm going to tell you, the sitting next to Bo and Jim in the blind today, that will leave an imprint on me for the rest of my life. Ever. Forever. And it's, it's really, honestly, it's a privilege to spend time with those guys and for them to be comfortable enough in, in a blind, in a duck blind, in a goose blind to share that with us, because, you know, there's a part and, and it was very clear when Jim was talking today, there's a part of him that is reliving it as he's explaining it. And it was so impactful that for the rest of my life, I will make sure and every American should make sure to not forget what happened 20 years ago. hundred percent. Like educate your kids, talk to them about it. Um, fill them in on it. Let them read about it. Let them see the pictures. Let them watch the videos that that shit's not normal. Like 100%. you don't, you know, I've been on a plane where you're coming into land and then something happens and the pilot has to pull up again. Right. Or I've been on turbulence or, I've been on a really bad flight going into Arizona and Tucson or Phoenix and it was bad lightning and it was got scary. I mean, everybody that flies a lot is going to encounter that stuff. Those people on those jets, that ain't normal. That is not normal. Completely different. Um, And then the radio and the talks that were going on when that first plane flew in. People thought it was an accident, yep. obviously. Yes. Obviously, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? You're not sitting there going, oh, Osama bin Laden's up to some no good today. No, you're going, holy fuck, that plane is off track and it just hit. And then they're watching the smoke bellow out of the building. And then all of a sudden, here comes plane number two 15 minutes later. Bam. Now yep. people know, whoa, sums up. But you very easily could have been like, well, Maybe air traffic control is off. They're putting these planes on a bad line. Right? And then you saw the the stark reaction of the president when he was reading to the children in class. And that shot darts through the back of your spine because when you Bush knew, was in the in the Yeah, when George room. Bush was reading to the kids yeah. and he and he turned that day. That day and he turned Was and he in looked. Washington DC? I don't remember where he was but he turned and the look on his face and his face went white right in front of america yeah you knew it was bad it was evil yeah and they came after us we've never done anything like that you know that's a terrorist act of there's no more cowardly act in the world than attacking innocent people. Nothing. And I don't know if it could ever happen again that on that scale, but it scares you. It sure, hell, it sure as hell scares me of like, what if? But now, you know, you go through so many thoughts now with the way the world is with mass shootings and school shootings and no security guards, no armed guards, this and that and police brutality and pol- nobody supports like I don't know if our cities are safe anymore. Like, I don't freaking know. I mean, I think our airports are more safe with pre-check and TSA and everything that goes into that. But man, there's, there's gotta be a point to where you're just like, we got to stop the nonsense. Like you got, you have to stop the evil 
of what could be and there's a lot of things going on in our world right now in our in our cities in america of like why why did it get this bad you know there's 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 reasons out there that are way above my pay grade but when i sat there today and listened to those guys talk about that day and that year that took place after and that here we are 21 years later and it's still ongoing I don't think that there could ever be anything in the history of the world that has that much that had that much devastation, direct impact and long lasting effect. Yeah. And devastation, just long lasting devastation. I don't know if there ever was like war is terrible. War is terrible. People die in war. I get that. But people in a skyscraper at work at nine o'clock in the morning, in front of their computer screen or in their board meeting, that ain't war. That's like, that was innocent people being cut down. But on a good note, the duck blind is therapy for those guys. That's why they do it. They get to talk. They have something in common with the folks that they're around. They love the dogs. They love the wildlife. They love Mother Nature and the sunrises and sunsets. Hearing those guys talk about how Jim named his daughter, because we own Avery, and he told me the whole story today and tonight about him and his wife would just go out in his boat when he first started hunting, and he'd have a shotgun and she would have a book, a paperback book. She read and he hunted. <laughs> That's and they were cool. thinking like, this is the first girl in 79 or 99, some, a lot of decades of years for the Hodge family to have a female, to have a daughter. And they're like, what do we name her? What do we name her? And he's just sitting there hunting and she's reading her book in the boat. And he looks down and sees his blind bag and says, what about Avery? And she goes, I like that. And they named their daughter Avery after the duck hunting company. And just hearing those stories like that and seeing the smile on his face, you know, it, it helps for a minute to know that he's being released from <clears throat> that pain. And I'm not saying that he's the only one. Of course, there's way more firefighters, police officers, EMTs, first responders that were <clears throat> that were affected by 9-11. But to be around a guy like that and hear his story, um, it, it hits home. It really does. And he didn't he didn't lose a, du a direct immediate family member in it you know he didn't do that and he's still that affected so then you start thinking like what about those dads that lost a son you know what about those moms that lost their kid in that deal that were in work or were serving the community as a firefighter what about his wife and his daughter who were affected the rest of their lives because of his ongoing illness yeah it's it. it's terrible it's terrible to think that that this happens, but thank God for days like today in the duck blind, Joel, that you're able to sit there and go, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Nick, for putting this together. And we're never going to forget about this. I, I don't have to go on to social media and say, always remember on a social media platform to remember that's kind of to me that's like saying i love my girlfriend on her birthday happy birthday babe happy birthday i hate that shit drives me up a fucking wall why 
Why do you think that anybody cares that it's your girlfriend's birthday? The woman in my dreams, first day of school, look how my kid looks. Who gives a shit? That's sentimental. That's authentic. Keep it to yourself. Nothing's authentic anymore. So when I see people going, never forget, never forget, is it really never forget? Or are you just trying to make the rest of the world think that you have feelings for what happened at 9-11? Because it's easy to post a little memorial picture that says never forget on it. You know what I mean? Why isn't anything just sentimental and close to the heart anymore? Because we live in a society where everyone's trying to take credit for everything. And, and, and be somebody. And it drives me freaking nuts. Like I intentionally don't post anything about it because I want to get close and intimate with it and authentic with it. I don't post my daughter on social media because that's me. That's us. That's one thing I have left in life that is personal and sacred. But people think it's okay. Just no problem. Happy birthday, baby. Why don't you just tell her happy birthday? Do you really think that you getting 67,000 likes because you have a wife that's a little bit famous because you were famous or vice versa? Your husband's famous because you're famous. Now we're going to tell the whole world. Well, you, you really want all those strangers writing in saying, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, that day was so tough on 9-11. That's not remembering. That's just like, that's commercializing it. That's bragging about remembering what yeah well, let's commercialize it just go sit down on your knees and sit down and cry for a minute and think about where you were when remember when alan jackson sang that song do you remember go sit and listen to that song and cry on your own and don't let one person in this world know that you are that you are sitting there going oh my god never forget never forget Go and talk to people, have a conversation with it, but to put it out there for all these strangers to see all these companies do it too. Never forget. What does it really mean? It's commercialized. That's not personal and sacred. We do it all the time. We do it all the time now because it's okay to air your business out like your buddy. Don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight my girlfriend. Don't know what to do. Like, that's not normal. We never used to be that people. There's just, you know what I mean? It's like, no, sitting there with the Hodge twin, the Hodge brothers today. I'm like, this is not generic. This is not something that can be done with a picture that you didn't even make. You just went on the internet and found that picture and said, okay, this is good enough. I'm going to make people think that I'm remembering 9-11. Are you really remembering 9-11 just because you posted a picture on it? Or are you sitting there thinking about it? Are you sitting there trying to make a difference? Or are you telling yourself, well, if it says never forget, I'm going to make sure that people that see my page never forget because I'm posting it this one day. That just is not the effect that I want to get out of something like that. It's more than that. It truly is. But we always have to be the one that announces something. It's human nature. When you have something in your mind, you're like, man, I heard that the basketball team is getting kicked out of the league because, well, yeah, we all know that. You're just the one that wants to make it sound like you're the one that discovered the information. Well, frick, you've been watching TMZ every freaking day for 60 minutes instead of working. You're going to know some headlines. 
Nothing's authentic anymore. Everything's fabricated. That's because everybody is so much more concerned with the dopamine rush they're going to get by people pressing the like button. Exactly. But it takes a certain it, individual to put a never forget on there to get a like. What in the hell is that like going to do to make Jim Hodges and Bo Hodges feel better? It's not making anybody remember. It's for your own good that you put that on there. I don't sit there and go, I don't sit there and go, I'm going to start crying thinking about my dad, but I don't sit there and go, it's August 9th. Miss you, dad. Miss you, dad. Everybody, everybody out there. Hey, I want everybody to write in messages of, hey, I'm so sorry that your dad's gone. I don't give a shit. I want to go get on my knees and cry and say hello to dad and remember it myself and what he meant to me. I'll be damned if I go on there and go, you've been gone for 15 years. Can't believe it's been that long. Time flies. Nothing's authentic and sacred anymore. I would never go onto the social media platforms and post a picture of me and my dad hunting geese on Christmas Eve, 2005, my last hunt with my dad and go, miss you pops. No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go look at that picture. I'm going to get on my knees and cry my little eyeballs out with tears falling, alligator tears falling down my cheekbones because I do have nice cheekbones. Like you said, I've never said that. Oh, maybe you said that Anna did. Did you say that Anna did? (laughs) I Oh, you're afraid to admit it on the podcast. <laughs> She's got high cheekbones and luscious lips and a great Never forehead. Definitely <laughs> did not. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go out there and say. You know, Chad, that's because we've created a system. Social media has created a system whereby you can play the lottery of fame. You can play the lottery of fame because if your 30 second, 15 second TikTok goes viral all of a sudden you can become tiktok famous it's even a term my kids will be like oh yeah he's tiktok famous or instagram famous or they're famous on instagram right we've created a system whereby everybody's buying lottery tickets every day that's what their post is every day a post is buying a lottery ticket in hopes that you get enough likes that you go viral and you're famous and the buying that lottery ticket has become more important than life in three dimensions. But even if you're trying to win the lottery by getting likes and becoming what you call Tic Tac famous, um, you're not going to get famous off of posting a memorial 9-11. It's almost a disgrace to the people that lost somebody there that are at home on their knees remembering but it's just so easy for us to go never forget hashtag never forget that ain't real get your ass to get your ass down on your knees and cry or go to a gravesite of one of these people and put flowers on it how about just do something for the benefit of those who are still suffering and never tell anybody sure never tell anybody that's why i always wondered like um we got a call to do a an event with the Ronald McDonald House in Memphis with St. Jude's. 
and you're like, yeah, it was a sporting clay event with a lot of hunters, right? So let's showcase this event that raises money for the Ronald McDonald House. And you know what the Ronald McDonald House does. Like no bills, like no pay. Like the, yeah, take care of free. families whose children are, are in need of surgery or medical care. Not just at St. Jude, but they have houses all mm, over the country, right? Sure. And it was started by a football player in Philadelphia, I believe. It's an awesome organization. It's amazing. So we go and we learn about this and we go to Memphis and we do the whole thing, right? It's un freaking real joel i'm holding bald-headed seven-year-old girls in my arms crying my eyeballs out thinking this could be Alyssa. i'm giving duck calling lessons i'm shooting pool with them i'm walking the halls of saint jude's i walk down the angel hall for the ones that have earned their wings the kids that have earned their wings crying terrible sad and i'm like this is to raise money for saint for Ron McDonald House to bring attention to what this charitable organization does. And I often think like when the rock goes into these places, is it a charitable thing to where they're going to Dwayne the Rock Johnson and they're like, hey, Rock, you got a hundred million followers on Instagram. Will you come visit these kids and post about it? Because you could go back in the de- go back in the timeline, and the Rock has photos of him sitting by beds of these sick kids in St. Jude's with cancer, brain cancer, whatever it is. So I often think like. Are you listening to me? Yeah. I, are you like in deep thought of what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I often think like, is it Dwayne the Rock Johnson going there and posting it and getting a million likes on it? Because I would rather not see that and just find out in 30 years that dude Dwayne the Rock Johnson visited St. Jude's five times a year. And he would just go in there and, and take pictures and, and high five these kids. But then it becomes a freaking social media uh, blizzard of like onslaught of look what Dwayne the Rock Johnson did versus the importance of the child he's visiting. That's how I see it. Okay, because that kid I, right I, there that might die. I'm not interrupting you. I'm like I'm like you talk, but that kid that might die, <clears throat> might not. It has a picture with the Rock. That's it. That kid being on Rock's Instagram. There's nothing achieved by that. There's nothing, in my opinion. That And when you asked if I was paying attention, it was because I was contemplating the potential that if The, if, if the Rock is honestly or truly motivated and that child would like to have their picture with The Rock on his Instagram... And maybe that, I mean, we don't know every scenario whereby these are meetings are happening, but let's say he meets a child and that child would get joy or comfort out of seeing him post the picture of the two of them together. Cause that's one of their heroes. Then, of, then it's a selfless, selflessly motivated act. And the bottom line is we don't know Dwayne Johnson's intention so I don't, I don't think you can jump to that conclusion in every case. Can't, and that's why I've always questioned it. I've, I've just often wondered, like St. Jude runs a ton of marketing for donations. 
do they really pay a celebrity endorsement to go in there and put it on his Instagram? Or is it, or would the rock just be like, I'll just give you fucking $5 million. I just don't understand the whole mindset of, I, I don't think that McDonald house pays for any of the celebrities to come. Or St. Jude's. Or St. Jude's. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, so then how do they get Rock in there? Same way they got us you in know, there? there are, yes. I mean, there are very many. Just because you're a celebrity or just because you have some celebrity in some area does not preclude you from being a good enough person to actually take that celebrity and use it for a selfless purpose. I agree with that. And I think Dwayne The Rock Johnson is a, I, from, I think he'd be a guy that I could hang with. He seems he cool. He seems like a really decent guy. But until he endorsed guy. Biden, I didn't well, like that at all. I didn't but he's got horses and he fishes and he catches bass and he listens to Whiskey Myers and Drake White. Like, you think you could hang with the cat. He thinks Kevin Hart's funny, which I disagree with him there. Because <laughs> Kevin Hart's not funny. He's a hard worker, but he's not funny. Um but do you know what I'm saying? Like, why do you yes, want to I do know what you're you saying? You go on Rock's Instagram and one video he's working out, hardest worker in the room. And then the next he's sitting next to a bedside sick kid with cancer that's dying, terminally ill. And both those things are on his Instagram. So it gives you pause. Yes. And I think that being an optimist, I, I'm thinking to myself, he is actually doing it from a selfless place. <laughs> And until I know it's not, then I guess I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I want to, too. But I sit there and, and think like what social media has turned us into. And it's all about that raw, raw, look at me kind of deal. Everybody's living their best life. And I don't understand what that sick kid being exposed on the rocks Instagram has to do with saving kids lives. But then I look at like, well, look, Chad, you went in there and filmed an entire episode where I took, we went in and, and filmed the hospital. We went into St. Jude's. Then we went over to Ronald McDonald house and went on every, you know, every room. And I met some unreal kids and their mom, you meet their parents. I took one of their kids, one of the kids' parents. I took their dad to the rendezvous rib house that night. Huh. First time he'd been out of the house in 13 months. Wow. Sat there and I'm just like, oh my God, your kids. And it was unreal to hear it. And we ate ribs at Rendezvous, which is really famous rib house in Memphis, Tennessee. Then a, a, there's never the word remission is never used, but they're cancer free. They'll say five years cancer free. Um, We got to invite a family from Louisiana, a kid, Grant, five years old. It's on the foul life. Took him to Oklahoma with his sister, Alyssa, and his dad. And then before the trip, his dad calls and says, mom wants to come too. So he brought the whole family of four out, put them up in Oklahoma, got banded gear on all of them. And to watch this kid had no motor skills anymore. He was a pop Warner stud football player, gets cancer, diagnosed with cancer, loses all of his motor skills, has to learn to talk again. Doesn't can't talk anymore. So we're, holding his gun up for him or pointing it for him. He can't hold his gun up. He can't shoulder a gun. We're being safe. Alyssa shoots a greenhead. Then a greenhead comes in. We're holding it up and let Grant squeeze the trigger and dogs are retrieving the ducks and everything. And, and then we mix that with the story of St. Jude's and Ronald McDonald house. And then 
it gets accolades, man. People loved it. That was so therapeutic for Grant. That was unreal to showcase that. You did a podcast with mom. It's still on the podcast back when it was just, this life ain't for everybody. Went through the whole diagnosis and how it affected their family. Tore me up. But then I'm thinking, why am I not just having a conversation with these people and not making it public knowledge? Why is that, Why am I taking the authenticity out of it? And- but you're not necessarily doing that. And that was my earlier point. If in doing that, it brings joy and some form of peace to the child who's suffering in his family. If it brings even Chad, if it brings diversion, uh, a, a, a diversion to their lives, that is part of the reason you're doing it, which is a selflessly motivated reason. I, I, I get the dilemma you're talking about. I understand it. But my point is that just because it's on Instagram or just because you did a story with this child that appeared uh, for other people to see, there is an aspect of doing that that actually does bring attention, good I, attention I agree to with it. And I think that it has something to do with the fact that these guys have to raise money. Ronald McDonald House and St. Jude's don't charge these families. Right. These doctors are so there's world a class physicians. positive effect also. So I'm, so when you when you watch country music musicians in Nashville, how they interact with St. Jude, once a year they all put on that black shirt that says what? Do you know this campaign? It says this shirt saves lives. And you can buy that shirt because your favorite country music artists, Chris Stapleton, Drake, they're all wearing them. And they all post, you know, at the same time on Instagram or Facebook or Tic Tac or whatever it is, they all post about St. Jude's. St. Jude's Hospital, this shirt saves lives. So then I go on there and buy a shirt and that money goes to the proceeds sure, of, of exactly. saving family. So that's the same thing. They're, I don't know. I don't think they're paying these country music guys. I don't think I think so. they're just, it's like a feel good deal. Of help there us. is nothing wrong with feeling good when you're doing good. Yeah, and I, I guess I can't blame The Rock because I think The Rock has to be a, a, a individual that has a huge heart. I really do. I feel that inside, like he's a good person. Raised right. I think he just did things right. He's a hard worker and he deserves all the success he has. I just didn't understand how one picture you're with a sick kid on the bed and then the next picture you're with your new Under Armour shoe trying to sell it to somebody. It is what it is. I get it. But why can't anything be sacred? You, We don't know what The Rock's doing that doesn't get posted. 100%. So maybe there's quite a bit that's sacred in his life. But social media is a pretty good account of the problem that people are not afraid to post chasing, anything on there. Everybody's chasing that lottery ticket to the viral video. If I see one more Tic Tac video, and I don't watch Tic Tac, but people send them to me. You do know it's Tic Tac, right? It is? <laughs> I thought that the, the the breath mint company started it <laughs> to, to uh, prevent halitosis. One and a half calories, one and a half minute Tic Tacs, Tic Tacs. There's some stuff on there, Joel. That you're just like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get negative about something that I think is negative in the world. I think social media is terrible for the world. I truly feel that way. I truly do. I don't care if somebody goes, well, let me stay in 
let me stay in touch with my family. You know, I got an aunt Bertha down there in Fort Lauderdale and you know, she gets to get on there and see the kids. Well, just call her, call her up and say, what's up, aunt Bertha. (laughs) I'm just down here drinking a Mai Tai over here in uh, South beach over in Boca Raton. You know, I'm getting ready to go on a boat to the Bahamas. Yeah. Just call her up. No, you know, it was, everybody had an excuse why they're on it. Everybody does. We do. I do. I do. And I'm not on it. No personal shit on it, but it's, you'd be ignorant to be in business and not have a page unless you're in the hunting industry and they shadow ban you for everything like they do to us. It is a, it's a part of corporate, uh, or I shouldn't say corporate, but business success. But let's get down to what we experienced today. We ended last night's podcast with the the recap of the the goose liver pate and the <laughs> shredded pulled goose nachos and the Florida alligator Greek gyros. Tonight's dinner was kind of special <clears throat> for a couple reasons. One, in 2001, you and your partner started a wing sauce that we're not going to say the name of, but it's very good. And you overnighted a bottle from Wisconsin to New York yesterday and it got here. Yep. Knowing that we were going to a place called Doug's that's known for their buffalo wings. We went in there and they were so generous. They're like, yeah, we'll put that sauce on some of our wings. They made us some of their a wings. A place in Buffalo yeah. took well, a different buffalo well, sauce. Well, not Buffalo, but north right, of Buffalo. Circa Buffalo. Circa Buffalo. And they were so generous. They're like, yeah, we'll put it on there. No problem. That we loved it. It was one great. Of the coolest experience. Then before we leave the pad, you're like, well, we got all these Wisconsin cheese curds. They got a fryer. Let's see if they fry them up. Well, they didn't have the breading for them on wing night, but they said, we do poutine here with gravy on fries with curds, New York curds. Well, they take your Wisconsin cheese curds and make us a bunch of orders of their poutine with your curds that was kind of cool oh it was awesome so we're in there with nick mcnamara and matt williams who introduced us to nick and all their guides all their girlfriends all their dads that are in town hunting right now our camera crew strangers that we didn't know and the hodge brothers are there jim and Bo. um reach in your pocket right there underneath that provider patch and check those out a firefighter walks up to me tonight that was in the camouflage just got here tonight to hunt with nick he's from Sir, uh niagara falls and look what he gives me and he shakes my hand and says thank you for what you do for first responders and firefighters oh my gosh are these cool that's not even the hodge brothers that was a stranger that walked up to me and said chad i want you to have these i knew you're going to be here i'm excited to meet you and he gave me those patches what do they say did you see how cool they look? Yeah, you see that dog on there? Yeah. What do they say? Niagara Falls? Niagara Falls Fire Department. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. Those are going in the museum. That is really cool. So, Dang. that's because of duck hunting. That's because of duck hunting. So, we're in there at this place tonight with all these different personalities Nobody's better than anybody. Everybody's has a ton of humility for being there and they're honored to be there. And the night goes down. Perfect. Hugs, high fives, exchanging phone numbers, knuckles, phone numbers, all that stuff. There are no such thing as coincidences, Chad. That's a good point. 
There are no such things as thing as coincidences. What about coinky dinks? <laughs> dinks. <laughs> Jack. Yo. Come here. Get on the mic. Instant. Oh my gosh. Is that mic set up? Jack's wearing Adidas socks, Under Armour shorts, Foul Life Axel. Take me down to the Mallard Duck City. Take me down to the Mallard Duck City. Where the grass is green and the green heads are pretty. Oh, won't you please take me home? Yeah, yeah. Stuck in the chair of a city gas chamber. Why I'm here, I can't quite remember. Axel Belding on the mic. The Surgeon General says it's hazardous for me to breathe. I'd have another cigarette, but I can't see. Uh, Jack. Podcast number 16. What this is what happened. Wings, tonight? wings were bomb. It's easy to go to a place that's known for something, right? As Americans or as human beings, not just Americans, but you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, both of you. You go to, um, let's just say Wisconsin, Friday Night Fish Fry. Shit. It's going to be good. Shit. That ain't nothing compared to my walleye. That's, that's the first thing we say. Shit. That ain't nothing. I've had a bunch. Dude, you walk into this place we're at tonight and you taste those wings and you go, because we make good wings at our place. We really do, right, Jack? Yeah, you guys do. But those wings tonight were legit. Because I'll tell you what, like bone-in wings, growing up from Chicago, there's this one bar, maybe five, ten minutes from my house, that made some really good wings. And anywhere else I would go, I think the wings were horrible. Like just fake, rubbery stuff. And then we go to this bar tonight in Buffalo, New York. And the hype is real because the wings were quality. Were they legit? They were legit. The, the they chicken were quality, was legit. Quality chicken. You can't like you cannot go to many bars or restaurants and get some actual quality bone in chicken wings. Boneless, you can just you can you get don't know anywhere. What you're eating with boneless chicken wings are not chicken. Yeah, wings. so bone or chicken nuggets to get legit bone in chicken wings Maybe. is very rare. And there's just one place. Shout out to Sports Page in Chicago. Sports make, Page is the bar. It's it's a mom pa bar. Will you go there next week when you go through Chicago? Hundred percent. They make some. You're of gonna the, take Eli there. Yeah, they make some of the best hot wings, and I like my wings real spicy, and they can spice. So it nothing up. was spicy enough for you tonight. You know Joel's hot sauce. The one they tossed in Joel's hot sauce were the spiciest tonight. But, but that's not very spicy, is it? But the quality of the chicken wings, the crispy on the skin. They were great. And the perfect, perfect. Did you try the poutine? I did try the that poutine. Good, the poutine huh? with the little cheese curds, too. That was bomb. I don't that know if bomb. it was, I think it was the black pepper and the gravy. Maybe. That's what set it off. They it was such a great their pepper. Fry, their fries stayed crispy under the gravy. Oh, they were great. Their fries were crispy. They're that great. was key. They're great. One thing about that place, and Jack went back and filmed in the kitchen, they're pumping out some wings. Wing night at a dollar a wing. They're 99 cents a wing on a Wednesday night. I bet you how many came in a thing? 12. Right? I asked them, Eli, was it nine to 12 cases? They say they do on a Wednesday, Something like that, yeah. nine to 12. And there's a hundred in a case. <clears throat> no, there's more than that in a case. Shit. Our order alone was 120 wings. That's yeah. They're just easily, our order. They're pumping out over a thousand wings on a Wednesday night. Nick did 120 just on our first order. And I walked in. We walked into that kitchen. Instant sweat. That's how many oh, wings yeah, they're pumping miserable. out. It's miserable. I guarantee it was it's crazy. Miserable. It was like goose hunting in here. It was like goose hunting <laughs> that blind today. It was hot. 
it felt like you're in a pizza oven. You're just like, oh, dang, pepperonis melting all around me because I'm thinking of that new Gonzi pizza oven that I got coming. What's up with that? Huh? <laughs> the rock box. Uh-oh. What'd you say, Eli? Like Already yoga. putting her in. Uh, when I get back for Kid Rock, my birthday concert on Kid Rock, Joel, we're throwing down pizza style. At the Kid Rock concert, I land at 10 in the morning. And I'm going to have all the dough laid out. I'm going to have all the toppings. And we're going straight Traeger, Rockbox, pizzas. And then go to Kid Rock. That sounds awesome. You never met a motherfucker quite like me. So then. The Kid Rockbox pizza. Kid Rockbox. Um, the, um, the overall experience here was insane. It was awesome. Experience of a lifetime. No joke. And we still got one more day of hunting tomorrow for you. And then I got four more days of hunting Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Don't rub it in. And then I get to experience New York for like 15 more days after that. But, but here, and, and think about this chat. What is New York city going to mean to you now? now. Yeah. After well, I you get to go down there with talked them. with the Hodge. I mean, after you spoke, after you met the Hodge brothers and heard Jim Hodge talk about nine 11, 20 years ago. Now, extrapolate that to what New York city will mean to you now to go there with him, with him and his brother and go to the firehouse and the trucks, the, 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 the conversations we're going to get to have with them and the officers there that were actually in their forties when it happened. And now they're in their sixties retiring and they lost all their friends. A lot of their friends during the incident, the tragedy, not an incident. Um, then go visit the memorial and the museum and see things that I've never seen. I've never been to the city. We're going to be at their firehouse at Harlem and the Bronx. They're, they're lining me out today of like, Chad, when you leave Yankee Stadium, I want you to go here. You're going to get in your car and your driver is going to take you to Arthur Avenue. And here's There's the these two Italian place. restaurants. There's going to be some, some salamis and some prosciutto hanging. There's a place called mozzarella that's just all cheese. It's all mozzarella cheese dishes. He's like, it's great. You'll love it. They're just like, oh and, then, my gosh. and I'm like, well, if I call you guys, we come down there. And I say, heck yeah, we'll come down there. So I'll get you tickets to the Yankees game. And the Yankees are playing the Orioles, you know, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> awesome. And then we're going to be in the firehouse. <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to have Duff sitting up in a Harlem in a Bronx firehouse. Just chilling while we talk about 9-11. That's pretty cool. And how it affected people. That is a pretty, pretty amazing experience. I can't wait. I think that the hunt today was awesome. And tomorrow's going to be amazing. We got a wind in the morning. We're hunting out of the new Avery Sweet Blinds that are so sick, aren't they? Yeah, they are super comfortable. I'm excited. New York has been awesome so far, and it just keeps getting better. And just the new friends. Like, I will never fall out of touch with the Hodge brothers. Or Nick. And Matt, I've already been in touch with. But Nick McNamara and Basswood Lodge is one hell of a human being. Yeah. He's sharp. Bright guy. He's keen and bright. He don't. He's unassuming. He's un. He's so not cocky at all for what he's built. And you're just like, damn, what a good freaking person. Absolutely. That gets it, right? Absolutely. That gets it. Works his tail off, too. Big time. The awesome experience. So we've said it all. We've said enough. Firefighters and chicken wings. 
Canada geese and bush lights and Jack Daniels and alligator and Canada goose liver and Canada goose nachos. And tomorrow, what are we doing tomorrow? We're hunting. No, but tomorrow night, what was my dinner tomorrow night? Oh yeah, oh, walleye um, and I'm perch. doing Wisconsin and perch and, perch and, and curds tomorrow. Kittrell. Frying, I'm gonna do a flash frying those. That's gonna be amazing. Oh heck yeah! It's just gonna continue to build and build, and that's what hunting camp is all about. So look, Joel, I'm glad you're here. You happy you came? Oh, I'm thrilled I came. I this will leave an imprint on me for the rest of my life. You clean geese today. You did a ton of recipes, ton of podcasting, hunts, met a, a bunch so of new fun. friends. Um, it's been awesome. Thanks for coming, buddy. Oh man, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Jack, Jack and Eli. I met Eli Jack. for the first time. I got to be reunited with Jack, my Wisconsin buddy. I met buddy. Jack because of Joel and, and Luke Steedle. Steedle? Steedle. Steedle the Beetle. Are you glad Joel came? I am so glad Joel came. You are? Because I will not get to see my Wisconsin friends probably. When I go home for Christmas, maybe. When I go home for Christmas. I was going to invite him on some more hunts, but he said he was going to be napping. Oh. I know Joel's coming on more hunts this year. He is? Where do you want, Where does he want to go? He's, I don't know. You just said you want to invite him, so I know he's going to come. It's hard to hunt in America when you're hanging out in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, don't thought, hunt, I don't hang out in Barcelona during duck season, Joel. Same thing. Just a little bit more inland. I have spider bites all over my body and I'm getting worried that I'm dying because they would have killed a weaker man already and now I'm starting to feel <laughs> I think you've complained about these spider bites one too many times. Bro, I have spider bites. Except that one on your hand, they're all getting smaller already though. That's a tarantula bite. You know, I would I feel bad for you, but until you sleep in a boat in a marsh overnight. Oh, yeah. I've never done that. That's I used a, to sleep at boat ramps every night to get a place to hunt. That's the Always. That's fun. Sleeping in the marsh opening day. Oh, yeah. It's a ton of fun. It's so fun. It's, it's until really you fun. get spider bites and get sick the next day. I'd rather sleep <laughs> in till nine and then take the boat in and kill them from 10 to two. And kill them from 10 to two. On your own property. Nah, not on your own. Uh, yeah. I guess that, that would be you nice. You build it, but... they will come, Kevin Costner. Wish I don't watch <laughs> Yellowstone. All right, that's the Fat Life Podcast. It's been Joe Cleefish is here his week here in New York, upstate New York. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Matt Williams, for the introduction. Thank you, Tony Vandemore, to the introduction to, to Matt, who introduced us to Nick. This is amazing network. This life is amazing. This podcast is brought to you by Basswood Lodge. This podcast is brought to you by American Almond Beef. Thank you, American Almond Beef, for an amazing selection of ribeyes and New Yorks and fillets and briskets and Asian ribs and the American Almond Beef Burger. This episode is also brought to you by Cowboy Choice. If you're going to feed your horse, feed it Cowboy Choice. Cowgirl's Choice is also available. It's a secret recipe, but the results we're getting are unbelievable. You're going to be able to find it at your nearest retailer soon nationwide across the country. Today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Buck and Bull. From the makers of Cowboy Choice and the owners and founders of American Almond Beef comes Buck and Bull. High fence deer operations, high fence elk operations, wintering ranges, uh, states that allow 
feeding and and hunting over feeders or at least feeding up to the hunting season trail camera pictures are coming in by the thousands and we're getting the results that we knew we would with this feed no corn additives buck and bull is sure to add inches and growth and a healthy nutrition program for all of your deer and elk so check out buck and bull feed more to come on that soon today's episode of the foul life podcast is also brought to you by the one and only Lear, the Lear Locker, Lear Toppers, the Lear Backpack. I am a huge fan of the Lear brand. We are safe and secure on the road. Our gear is protected. We don't go anywhere. All of our rigs are decked out with Lear. The Lear Locker is a great way to store your fishing rods, your guns, your weapons, your valuables when you're on the road. It gives you an extra layer added of protection. And we are truly grateful and humbled and honored to be part of the Lear family. And last but not least, Today's episode of the Fat Life Podcast is brought to you by Safari Club International, SCI.org, first for hunters. Do you guys understand what's going on behind the scenes every day on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C.? At your state's capitals, where do you live? Do you know the capital of your state? Where I live, it's Carson City. Right next door is California. The state capital is Sacramento. Gavin Newsom is ruining California, just like Steve Sisolak is ruining Nevada. Safari Club International is fighting every day to protect the heritage and the culture of the American hunter. You don't think we should bring waterfowl back into America from Canada? SCI fought for that. You don't think that moms and dads and aunts and uncles should be able to take their kids, their their nieces, their nephews, their sons, their daughters on a youth hunt in California? SCI sued California and won. Every day, SCI is fighting for our rights. And don't forget this. Check this out. It's always in Las Vegas, but this year, February 2023, Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, America, the Nashville Convention Center is where the Safari Club International National Convention is going to be held. Music, food, advocacy, friendship, stories, military, males, females, countries worldwide represented come and check out your favorite outfitter your favorite gear your favorite brand it's the 2023 safari club international national convention in tennessee nashville tennessee music city usa we're fired up we're gonna be there come check it out we can't wait to hang out we got a lot more news coming to you soon thank you for listening to joel clayfish's last foul life podcast as he sits here in new york he's going to be bringing you more episode of the foul life midwest podcast we got tons of new guests and topics to, to break down right here at the foul life don't forget to check out sister podcast this life ain't for everybody where the pavement ends 40 years of freedom and anna v's american wing shooting and please get the outdoor channel and watch season 14 of benelli's the foul life airing right now we're about to bring you brand new episodes from Wyobraska on the nebraska wyoming border black goose outfitters in nebraska iowa as well as john shaw's hagerman wing farms in hagerman idaho we're fired up it's benelli's the foul life you can find all of our reruns season one through 13 on the my outdoor tv app mo tv i'm chad belling for joel clayfish and jack orlandi thank you for listening to the foul life podcast check out this song my foul life 2am logic <laughs>